0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today, my guest is Danielle Bellina. Danielle is also a licensed clinical social worker, as well as a senior primary therapist at the women's program at Penn Medicine, Princeton House Behavioral Health in North Brunswick, New Jersey. And today, Danielle talks about her own cancer journey and how using DBT skills helped her manage her emotions during that time. DBT, or Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, is a therapy modality that we utilize at Princeton House Behavioral Health and has proven to be effective to help our clients who struggle with a variety of mental health issues. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and find it helpful. All right, Danielle, thank you so much for being here with me today. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank Um,
1: you for having me here.
0: Well, I'm extremely happy to have you. And um, when you reached out to me about doing this topic, it definitely sparked an interest in me. And I think this is going to be great. So I'm excited to talk to you. Now, before we start, though, I always have people just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about themselves, a little bit about what they do for um, Penn.
1: Okay. So I am a therapist at Princeton House, North Brunswick in the women's unit. So we do primarily DBT treatment, but we also do trauma, trauma and addiction and emotion regulation.
0: Awesome. Um, And how long have you been doing that now? Five years. Wow. Cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Why don't I stop talking and just kind of give you the floor to to talk a little bit about what happened to you and – you know, kind of give us some background information in terms of what we're going to talk about today.
1: Okay. So, I was diagnosed in um October 2021 hmm. with it's a it's a long title, invasive ductal carcinoma, stage 1, grade 3. BRCA1 positive, triple negative breast cancer. So there's a lot of different things that go into that. Um, But basically what it means is I had a nasty little tumor um, Mm -hmm. that I had to get removed. And from the point of diagnosis, I had a week after that where I immediately had a lymph node extraction. A week Mm -hmm. after that, I had a double mastectomy. And then a couple months after that, I had six months of chemo. So I just hit the ground running when i got diagnosed and never stopped
0: listen it sounds like a absolute whirlwind in a super short period of time Mm -hmm. can you as much as you're comfortable maybe just try to explain to us what your headspace was like at that time
1: when I first found out, I actually feel really bad because I was in the middle of a group and it was the 10-minute break between two hours of group and I got a call from my doctor's office and I called back. Um, I think, you know, I I straight up dissociated from, <laughs> for a couple minutes. I remember them telling me I was home by myself. I remember being extremely frightened. Um, and panicking, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of panic where like you hear your heartbeat in your ear. Um, and then I called my boss and I said, I told her what happened. And I said, obviously I can't run the next group. I have to go to my mom's house. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, my husband, my fiance at the time was not home with me. And that was the first thing she said is, is he there? And I was like, no. And I probably screamed a lot of different random things to her and then hung up. Mm Um, but that was my initial reaction was like sheer terror. Mm-hmm. Like I was I was absolutely petrified and I could not believe it because um, I actually had gone to multiple doctors and no one had believed that I had cancer because it just didn't present as cancer. Mm-hmm. So it was a surprise.
0: <sighs> yeah, I would imagine that there's just like a a feeling of complete shock at first. Yeah. Like like you said, um, you dissociated. Mm-hmm. Like, can you maybe just tell people what that means for people who don't really know what that word means?
1: So dissociation can be if you have a really high level of anxiety and you're, you know, those super hyped up symptoms where your heart's racing, you know, your stomach feels like it's in your mouth. And then also like those low kind of, I you know, feeling detached in panic or where am I? That kind of like lethargic sensation. So you could dissociate either way. Dissociation could be as minor as like, you know, highway hypnosis. I'm driving somewhere and I'm like, mm-hmm. how the heck did I get here? Or to the point of like, I just, all I can think about or feel is what I'm in in that moment. Like mm-hmm. nothing else around you feels real. So for those couple seconds for me or a couple minutes, I definitely felt like, is this real? And my anxiety, my whole emotional state just surged like Mm -hmm. aggressively. So I kind of checked out for a few minutes, probably said a few things I don't remember saying, Mm -hmm. and then checked back in. Like your frontal lobe shuts off Mm -hmm. um, when you are reactive, when your trauma symptoms take over, you know? So I – Clearly, it was a traumatic event, so they just shut down, and then I calmed myself down a little, and they came back on.
0: It's just, it's funny, in a way, for me to hear you explain it, because you sound so cheerful right now, yeah, talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. such like a devastating thing. But yeah, so essentially, dissociation is like, like you said, like checking out, and, and basically, it's like a defense mechanism, right? It's like, this is too much. Yeah. Let me check your brain it basically says this is too much. let me check out for a while and and that's kind of what that is uh, yeah. in you know super layman's terms. okay, so obviously getting that diagnosis is a super shock. And then as time goes on or progresses, how does your mental state yeah. change as time goes on? Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes. And this would be explain why I can speak about this in the way that I do. Mm-hmm. I, I talk about it a lot. It's also been two years and I've made a very clear choice to make sure that I don't forget what I've been through because it sounds crazy to say, but like when you're not doing it on a daily basis, like you're not going to a doctor's appointment or you're not going to chemo, right. you just live life. So I could either choose to kind of like put it behind me and not really think about it at all, or kind of remain aware of it and live my life without thinking about it every second. Um, The reason I made that decision is because during my course of my cancer journey, a year prior, my aunt was diagnosed as metastatic and she never spoke of it at all and it was very scary she ended up actually passing away two weeks after Mm -hmm. i finished chemo but which was very pivotal it's majorly like part of my story and Mm -hmm. like the dialectic of what it all is but i she never spoke of it and because of that i didn't know anything about it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i felt that keeping myself talking about it and talking about it with the people i love makes it a whole lot less scary so That's actually where I went immediately after finding out, calming myself down, calling my husband, telling him this is what went on. And I got in my car to drive to my mother's house because I knew that I needed to tell her face to face. Mm -hmm. Um, Thankfully, I called two of my siblings and they didn't answer. And I'm really grateful for that because Lord knows what I would have said and I probably would have frightened them. Right, yeah. (laughs) But when I started driving, I immediately started using skills and I started breathing. And I remember thinking to myself, there are two ways I can go about this. I can go into it with like sheer terror or I can go into it with a positive, somewhat positive outlook, but realistic, which in DBT we call the wise mind. Mm I could do it that way, and if I do it that way, they're going to meet me where I'm at.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: not going to scare her, and she's going to be able to be there for me in the way that I need it. It's not going to scare her, and I'm going to be less frightened. So I collect it myself, and that from there on is kind of how I dealt with it when I would talk about it.
0: And this is sort of the genesis of the podcast. or This it's, group yep. of podcasts that we're going to talk about is like how you really – use dbt to help you manage this illness and the diagnosis and i'm assuming everything that sort of follows okay so where do you want to start here i mean you just kind of brought up like being on a drive to your aunt's house right my mom's Yeah, i'm sorry your mom's house and using wise mind like do you do you want to Talk a little bit about that, or is there like some other order you want to do this in? No, we could talk okay. about Wise okay. Mind. Let's do it.
1: So, Wise Mind in DBT, the idea and the way that I always explain it to patients is if you took like a transparent blue circle and a transparent yellow circle, and mm-hmm. remember when you were a little kid and you were learning how primary colors made secondary colors. Right. So, right. if you took the blue circle and kind of made a little oval between the blue and the yellow, you get that green circle in the center. Mm. So the idea is like the blue circle could be representative of emotion mind. So it's all emotion all the time, right? Like Mm -hmm. how you're feeling. There's no rational or reasonable thought in that. It's just your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And then the yellow circle can represent reasonable mind. That is logic, right? So in my situation, it's like, oh, my God, on the blue side, I'm terrified. I'm going to die. On the yellow side, okay, you're stage one, it's a tumor, they have treatment, all very logical type things, right? Mm. And then wise mind is the crossover between the two, meaning that both can be true at the same time. So I can be really frightened and not want to die and also know that there is treatment for me. It's respecting both sides. Mm. It's not picking one side or the other. It's not like I'm going to go to my parents' house and be like, hey, mom and dad, guess what? I have cancer. It's like, I have cancer, but also this is what I was told about it. We're going to be okay.
0: So I guess like my novice understanding of of wise mind has always Mm. been like almost like finding a middle ground, right? Like, and I'm wondering now if that's kind of not really what it is is it more like taking sort of the super emotional piece or not the emotion the unfiltered emotional piece which is like obviously you're terrified you're scared you might die these are all really big feelings really big emotions and then also having sort of this logical side that's saying like okay it's stage one there's treatment for this etc is it not really finding a middle ground so much as like just respecting that both of those things can be true at the same time
1: i would i would say that by respecting both things being true at the Mm -hmm. same time is finding the middle ground like technically it's like the wisdom within each person right seeing the value in both emotion and reason the middle path as dbt would say
0: i guess what my main question here is is like in dbt treatment is the goal to be in wise mind as much as possible or is it just like to recognize when you're in emotion mind when you're in uh, more like logic mind and when you're in wise mind like like how does that work exactly do you know what wise, i'm saying
1: yes okay. exactly wise mind is so, is like one of the main components of dbt mm-hmm. we want to bring people into wise mind so it's not just this particular skill it's kind of the theme how it goes like it's part of the dialectics. so meaning like they'll give you say opposite action which is something right. i'll go over mm-hmm. and in opposite action they'll be like check the facts check your wise mind mm-hmm. so it's something that we want you to like a place to be in in the middle ground in the gray that's where we want someone who's yeah. using dbt
0: skills to to fall okay Gotcha. So you sort of have this internal dialogue with yourself. Mm-hmm. I can be in emotion mind or I, I am in emotion mind um, obviously right now for good reason, uh, I would say, right? Like mm-hmm. if there's ever a time where emotion mind is going to take over, I would imagine that that's uh, one of the things on the top of the list, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can also sort of give give space for this more logical side where it's like, You know you're kind of talking to yourself about okay the doctor says actually it's very treatable and all this stuff so that's the headspace you're in as you're driving to your mom's house i i think maybe for the listeners it might be beneficial if we just kind of give an overview of what dbt is uh before we go through all like the different skills that that you found helpful so do you mind explaining that a little bit
1: yes so dbt is dialectical behavioral therapy and it was created by marsha linehan for the purpose of serving populations that have the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. However, it has been seen to be helpful for just about anybody, the skill usage of it. But it's a very structured type of therapy. Mm
0: -hmm. So in my context, that's kind of how I'm most familiar with it is like I know some of the DBT skills and... Like, I'm not DBT trained, but I do know some of the skills because, you know, they, they can be helpful for a variety of different diagnoses, people, mm-hmm. issues, etc.
1: I can explain the modules because DBT has four different modules that go into it. So DBT has distress tolerance. Module, which mm-hmm. these skills are used when you're in distress, when you're dysregulated. So there's a lot of different distraction, coping skills. There's a lot of right. tip, temperature, body chemistry type skills. Mm-hmm. Then we have emotion regulation. So, emotion regulation, in my opinion, and as DBT kind of examples, I could give you, is that it's if you take the distress tolerance skills and you put them in your everyday life. So, an example would be I know that if I'm panicking, if I go for a run, it's, it helps me calm down. Mm. So what I'll do on a daily basis, I'll exercise, I'll get my body moving. So it's kind of like coping ahead. So a lot of those skills are planning for the future and keeping you calm as time goes on. So that's distress tolerance and then emotion regulation. So
0: can I stop you for a second? Yeah, go ahead. So distress tolerance would be like things I do in the moment when I'm feeling, you know, elevated or triggered by something. And emotion regulation would be like, skills that I want to incorporate in my everyday life just to kind of keep myself balanced is that yep okay cool
1: long term short term and distress tolerance would be crisis Gotcha and then we have uh, mindfulness so mindfulness is the one of the main like basic things from DBT mm-hmm. It's actually where I get wise mind from. Okay. That's where that skill is part of that module. So it's the idea that we're all connected in some sort of way, it, a purpose in life. It's being mindful, doing things one mindfully. We found that this has been really effective for people who have experienced trauma as well, because a lot of times your brain is so used to doing multiple things at, at one time, it kind of loses the ability to focus on one thing. So you can like mindfully eat, mindfully read. And it's it's a very like not so much just higher power, but it does involve like spirituality connection in that way. So that's mindfulness. It's one of the main components of DBT. And then Princeton house has four modules. There's actually, they have now broken it down into five. The other ones are interpersonal effectiveness, which are skills that you learn how to communicate with other people, how to ask for what you need, how to say no and how harshly or how like aggressively you're going to kind of do that so i can really push if i want to ask for something or i can pull back and do it a little gentler so that's the interpersonal effectiveness skills and then the other one is kind of an extension of interpersonal effectiveness it's called the middle path and much like everything else in dbt they want you to focus on the gray area so there's a lot of dialectical, like both things can be true at one time. There's more than one way to solve a problem. And it's just a little bit more meat to the interpersonal effectiveness stuff. So Princeton House now does it where they have five different modules. We just started doing mindfulness um, or um, middle, middle path, path, rather. Yes.
0: I already learned something new because I had no idea we were doing that. Yes. I always Just thought started. It was just four. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So are we going to go through all of these when it comes to your... Recovery?
1: Only certain ones. So we've done mindfulness. I only took out wise mind from that. So from that module, that was what I got from it. Because honestly, I would say that mindfulness as a clinician is one of the ones that challenges me the most because as Mm. a person, I'm so top speed. um, (laughs) I didn't get that impression at all. I have to say. No, (laughs) not at all. I would say never. Um, It's hard for me to kind of be in that one mind state. So
0: So, hang on. You say it's hard for you to be in that one mind state. Mm -hmm. Now, what exactly does that mean? Now, let me preface this. You know, I'm going to throw my own opinion out there or my own understanding out there as a person, as a clinician of what mindfulness is, right? Which is basically just you being aware of your sensations, your feelings, your thoughts. It's just awareness, right? So not... Trying not to judge, also you're just being aware of what's happening with you is basically what mindfulness is. So how does that? If, first of all, am I correct in that, or am I incorrect?
1: You, there's parts of that that are correct. It's also, <laughs> <Okay>. yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, it's also like being on a a test, like being centered in a way. So it's
0: like when I focused say, on what you're yes. doing, kind of thing. Right, right. So, and I, okay, gotcha. Right. I guess I did leave that part out, which is like like a, the skill of being as immersed in whatever you're doing as possible.
1: Yes. I'm a person that does several things at one time. So oh. my struggle is that I, I as a person, do not like doing one thing at a time or focusing my mind or energy on one thing at a
0: time.
1: Multitasker. Yes, multitasker. Gotcha. So it is challenging for me in that way. Um, But I had to make sure that I did that during my cancer journey, but that was, it's a little challenging for me, which, you know, in DBT, I often say to the patients, like you take what works, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work as a skill. It doesn't mean you failed at it or there's something wrong. It just means that it's not effective for you.